Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including our state senator, Kathleen Pasadoma, will be joining us. Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast, always a lighter side of the program. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Linda Harden, my wife, she writes greetings from Paradise, talking about what's going on in the Paradise Coast. Of course, there's not much going on right now, but always an interesting conversation with Linda. It is January the 19th, the day before the inauguration. And on this day in 1809, poet, author, and literary critic Edgar Allan Poe was born in Boston, Massachusetts. What an interesting life he had. By the time he was three years old, both of his parents had died, leaving him in the care of his godfather, John Allen, a wealthy tobacco merchant. After attending school in England, Poe entered the University of Virginia in 1826. After fighting with Allen over his heavy gambling debts, he was forced to leave UVA after only eight months. Poe then served two years in the U.S. Army and won an appointment to West Point. After another falling out, Allen cut him off completely and he got himself dismissed from the academy for rules infractions. He was dark, handsome, and brooding. Uh, he published three works of poetry by the time uh, that time, none of which had received much attention. In 1836, while working as an editor in the Southern Literary Messenger in Richmond, Virginia, he married his 13-year-old cousin, Virginia Clem. He also completed his first full-length work of fiction, Arthur Gordon Pym, published in 1838. He lost his job at the Messenger due to his heavy drinking, and the couple moved to Philadelphia, where Poe worked as an editor of Burton's Gentleman's Magazine and Graham's Magazine. He became known for his direct and incisive criticism, as well as his for dark horror stories like The Fall of the House of Usher and The Telltale Heart. Also around this time, Poe began writing mystery stories, including The Murders of the Rue Morgue and The Purloined Letter, works that earned him a reputation as a father of modern detective stories. In 1844, the Poe's moved to New York City. He scored a spectacular success, the following year, with his poem, The Raven, quote, The Raven, Nevermore, poetry, actually gained acclaim by writing a poem. While Poe po was working to launch the Broadway Journal, which soon failed, his wife Virginia fell ill and died of tuberculosis in early 1847. His wife's death threw Poe even deeper into alcoholism and drug abuse. After becoming involved with several women, he returned to Richmond in 1849 and got engaged to an old flame. Before the wedding, however, Poe died suddenly, though circumstances are somewhat uh, unclear. It appeared he began drank, drinking at a party in Baltimore and disappeared, only to be found incoherent in a gutter three days later. Taken to the hospital, he died on October the 7th, 1849, at the age of 40. Only 40 years of age. Stuck a lot of mischief in those 40 years, didn't he? Anyhow, the dark life of Edgar Allan Poe. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 86 new cases of COVID in Collier County uh, yesterday, only and one additional death. Looks like the numbers are going down, and the reporting is getting very skimpy on COVID, perhaps. Concern from liberals that uh, the uh, COVID 
is uh, disappearing. Could be. Wouldn't it be great news for us? The president proclaimed January 22nd, 2021, two days after the inauguration, after he leaves office, as National Sanctity of Human Life Day. And here's some of his verbiage that he used for this. Every human being, every life is a gift to the world, whether born or unborn, young or old, healthy or sick. Every person is made in the holy image of God. The Almighty Creator gave unique talents, beautiful dreams, and a great purpose to every person. On National Sanctity Human Life Day, we celebrate the wonder of human existence and renew our resolve to build a culture of life where every person of every age is protected, valued, and cherished. Strong mothers and courageous students and incredible community members and people of faith are leading a powerful movement to awaken America's conscience and restore the belief that every life is worthy of respect, protection, and care. Because of the devotion of countless pro-life pioneers, the call for every person to recognize the sanctity of life is resounding more loudly in America than ever before. Over the last decade, the rate of abortions has steadily decreased, and today more than three out of four of Americans support restrictions on abortion. As a nation, restoring a culture of respect for the sacredness of life is fundamental to solving our country's most pressing problems. When each person is treated as the beloved child of God, individuals can reach their full potential, communities will flourish, and America will be a place of even greater hope and freedom. Since the beginning, my administration has been dedicated to lifting up every American, and that starts with protecting the rights of the most vulnerable in our society, the unborn. On National Sanctity of Human Life Day, we promise to continue speaking out For those who have no voice, we vow to celebrate and support every heroic mother who chooses life, and we resolve to defend the lives of every innocent and unborn child, even of whom can bring unbelievable love, joy, beauty, and grace into our nation and into the entire world. Today I call on Congress to join me in protecting and defending the dignity of every human life, including those yet not born. I call on every American, on the American people to continue to care for women in unexpected pregnancies and to support adoption and foster care in a more meaningful way so every child can have a loving home. And finally, I ask every citizen of this great nation to listen to the sound of silence caused by a generation lost to us and then to raise their voices for all affected by abortion, both seen and unseen. Words of uh, President Donald Trump, I uh, edited it quite a bit, took many, uh, took a couple of paragraphs out, but you get the gist of this. I think it's, a, uh, again, a wonderful expression of support for the individual. Uh, the CEO of Planned Parenthood said she expects President-elect Joe Biden to immediately begin to undo the harm, quote-unquote harm, President Donald Trump has caused in America with pro-life policies. We have a ton of work to do to do uh, to do to the undo to undo the harm of the last four years. But knowing we have champions there who understand what needs to happen is in the first hundred days is tremendously excited. That's a quote from Alexis McGill Johnson. She said that to a news outlet NBC. Uh, Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris have vowed an immediate and aggressive pro-abortion agenda beginning Wednesday, the day of the inauguration. Harris is among the chief champions, quote-unquote, of abortion rights, a politician who has held close ties with America's largest abortion provider throughout her career. So it looks like we're due to take a step back in terms of policy, but I don't think we'll take a step back in terms of how people see the sanctity of human life. Do you? I don't think so. 
By the way, First Lady uh, Melania Trump on Monday released a nearly seven-minute goodbye video urging Americans to choose love over hatred, peace over violence. The film was uh, filmed at the White House. comes before President Trump officially leaves on Wednesday. As Donald and I conclude our time in the White House, I thank all the people I've taken home in my heart and their incredible stories of love, patriotism, and devotion. It's really a cool video, and if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's only seven minutes long, and uh, she didn't get the recognition she deserved for the work that uh, she did. And by the way, here we are just on the eve of the inauguration of Joe Biden. The Rasmussen Report's daily presidential tracking poll uh, says that on Monday shows that 48% of likely voters approve of President Donald Trump's job performance. Isn't that amazing, considering all the trashing that we see from the left in terms of trying to uh, discredit his administration, cancel, if you will, his administration. Former acting director of U.S. intelligence, Richard Gridell, was on the Sunday morning futures with Marie Bartiromo on Sunday. He discussed who he believes will be acting as the pseudo-president by proxy for Joe Biden, who is seemingly not mentally or physically equipped for the demanding job. You need to watch Susan Rice very closely, told Bataromo. She will be the shadow president. We have a president-elect in Joe Biden who clearly is not the Joe Biden of 10 years ago or even five years ago. Grinnell also claimed that progressives have clearly taken over him, and I think that's why he won. They wanted someone they could control, and Susan Rice being right there at the White House to be a shadow of the president is probably exactly what she wants to be behind the scenes and unchecked. That's very disturbing, isn't it? But I think that was the plan all along. Who can, of all the people we have, who could probably get elected? We can put Joe Biden up there. He can't think, he can't talk, but you know what? We'll get him elected, then we'll have somebody behind the scenes pulling the strings. I know that sounds pretty outrageous, but uh, do you think it's true? I think there's some truth in it. Biden's transition team claims there's a very real fear that members of the National Guard who support President Trump might kill Biden during the inauguration, so they've asked commanders to confiscate all ammo and magazines from the soldiers. Biden's team asked if it would be possible to determine which soldiers voted for Trump or GOP primaries. The request was refused. But they've got the uh, FBI checking out all the 25,000 soldiers, National Guard, that are in the... uh, Washington, D.C. You know, uh, still a third of the people, third are Democrats, think that actually uh, the, the election was stolen. So uh, f- through all their antics and what they're trying to accomplish here, uh, they're not going to be able to cancel Trump. A Florida Republican Ron DeSantis, our governor, told an audience at a legislative policy conference in Austin, Texas, that the Florida is looking for ways to take action against tech companies for their recent acts of censorship. Speaking at a keynote l- luncheon, by uh, the uh, policy, public te- uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation. He said that the administration has already been planning on addressing the role that tech companies play in the lives of Americans. Good for uh, Ron DeSantis. Right now, of course, parlor's down. We really need to talk about that and what we can do as citizens to fight against the suppression of free speech. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com also by life in naples magazine be in the know and stay up to date by reading life in naples the website is lifeinnaples.net coming up we're going to be visiting with our state senator kathleen pasadomo that and more 
right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, a big shout out to Lula B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, the Holacek Foundation does a great job of supporting St. Matthew's House, and I hope you'll visit a terrific place to have breakfast or lunch. That's Lula B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state senator. Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Well, how are you feeling? Last week we talked to you and you had the symptoms of COVID-19 actually tested positive. Yes, I did. I I was one of the fortunate people that had a mild case. Um, I, you know, I quarantined at home for two weeks, actually. And, um, you know, I just had headaches and... um, you know, just sort of a congestion feeling. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was very lucky because, you know, it's interesting. I started getting, you know, once it became known that I had it, I, I started getting emails and texts from people all over the state, mostly well-wishing, but a lot of people giving me their, you know, their their story. And I'll tell you, there's some people that come really, really sick. It's so um, true. And, and what's even funnier is, I, I got so many texts from people in Tallahassee. It's like almost everybody had it up there <laughs> that you didn't know about. So that's you know, so interesting. 
Yeah, and you never yeah. lost your taste or, or any of those symptoms? No, no. Well, I'm Italian, so <laughs> I never lose my taste. I live by my sense of taste. Uh, no, that's, a, that's an interesting. But no, answer. I didn't. I didn't, and uh, I continue to work. So we had a committee week last week, and uh, of course, I could not go to Tallahassee to participate in person. But I was um, pretty much uh, sitting at my desk here at home from seven in the morning to seven seven at night, either um, on the Florida Channel watching committee hearings or uh, having conference calls. Um, and well, you know, I just didn't skip a beat. Well, that's. That's an amazing thing, I man. I don't know if you use Zoom or how you participated, but it's uh, so interesting to get work done at home uh, during this crisis. So, uh, you know, one of yeah. the things that's going on is we're seeing so much security up in Washington, D.C., but also in state capitals, and I would imagine uh, in uh, Tallahassee as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, there was obviously a lot of uh, news reports and, and I guess um, uh, social media about protesting at, at all the state capitals. Um, it, Sunday was supposed to be the big day, and I, and I guess their concern is sometime between pa- this past Sunday and inauguration on Wednesday that there would be some uh, protests. Um, Tallahassee was quiet on Sunday. There, in my understanding, there was a, a large uh, contingent of National Guard uh, there just in case. But again, since we're not up there this week, um, it would be quiet anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of, I, I guess there would be a sense that if the legislature were in session, it might be um, more, you know, more difficult. Like in other, in other uh, states where their legislatures are actually meeting this week, we had never been scheduled to meet this week because most people wanted to be in their district to um, participate in Martin Luther King uh, Day yeah. activities and the like. So, Everybody's home in their own district this week. Yeah, so the uh, FBI arrested a man in Florida who was allegedly planning to recruit people to violently attack pro-Trump protesters who might show up in the Florida State Capitol. Uh, this guy's name is da- Daniel Allen Baker, referred to himself as a hardcore leftist. In any event, uh, they made an arrest, and I'm just wondering, do we have any intelligence? Do you know anything about... There must be an awful lot of noise. We've got 25,000 National Guards, and the FBI is even vetting them. <laughs> yeah. What's well, going on? I, I, don't, I don't know if, I think everything has been quiet because um, a lot of the social media accounts were, uh, of, of agi- people that are agitated and agitating mm-hmm. um, were, were uh, shut down. So I, I don't... I think a lot of the intelligence they're getting is, is um, you know, by talking with people, word of mouth, and, and maybe the few people that are, that are left on, online. It's just hard to imagine. I mean, there was a, hundreds of thousands of people that showed up for the inauguration in 2017 for President Donald Trump. And now mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see how anybody can possibly show up. The streets are closed. They've got tanks in the right. middle of the streets in Washington, D.C. Again, 25,000 National Guards, and apparently the Biden administration is not even trusting them. They want to know how many people uh, in the National Guard are voted Republican. <laughs> it's, I'm talking it, about I'm so paranoid, it, it's unbelievable. It is, it is tragic that, that it has come to this because... You know, people that that are um, enlisted in our military, in the National Guard, in all the branches, you, you know, they that's a choice that they made. And mm-hmm. I would suspect that even if there are uh, some 
that have joined because it's part of this this uh, anti-government group or whatever. There's so few compared to the numbers of military that are there for the right reason, and you know it just taints it taints it. And uh, hopefully we'll get over this and move on. I hope so as well. So, Kathleen, anything to report from committee week last week in Tallahassee? Well, well, the um, most of the committees had presentations on uh, legislation that we passed last session and the beginning discussions on the budget, which of course is going to be front and center Uh, as as we are now. uh, If you if you remember, you and I over the summer talked about perhaps we'd be. between four and six billion dollars in the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, it looks like it's around two billion. Oh, good. But two billion is still a lot. Yeah. So we are charging all of the um, budget committees to take a look at their budget and see where we can make cuts. Um, and and that's the process that's going on right now. The, both pandemic committees in the House and the Senate met and and talked about you know where we are and where we've been. And of course, a lot of the Discussion right now is on the vaccines and and the fact that uh, uh, we're just not getting enough to to put into people's arms and everyone's frustrated and um, I think that'll sort itself out over time as well. Yeah, so I'd like to just underscore something that uh, you you just assumed probably, but uh, you said that we're going to be two billion dollar short, so we're looking for ways to make cuts as opposed to the usual knee jerk reaction of the left of so what how are we going to raise taxes. So I just really under, Here, I want to salute you yeah. for that. Here's what's uh, Florida's different. We cannot uh, tax our citizens without their consent. It's in the Florida Constitution, and I'm glad it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's that's the first thing. The second thing we've left a lot of money on the table uh, by not collecting um, actually a tax that is already already been approved, if you will. We, Florida's, well, I think, only one of two states that does not collect the internet sales tax, and that's that's probably uh, estimated between three hundred and six hundred million dollars that we're yeah. leaving on the table yeah. by not requiring collections. I mean, yeah. it's, it's an honor system. Well, you know how that goes. Yeah. So those are some of the things that we can do and yeah. should do. Um, that's a leveling of the playing field yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that's a lot of tamales yet that leave it on the playing field for sure. But it's a nice right. benefit to shoppers online, so I have to acknowledge that. Well, but the, you know what? The problem is that all the brick-and-mortar stores in the state are right. at a disadvantage because they have to collect sales tax. Absolutely. So the online retailers um, in every state, but I think one other state, are collecting it. So if, if we're not requiring... Uh, Florida online sales tax collection. We're disadvantaging our, our um, brick and mortar stores, and the the rest of the country is is doing something differently. Yeah, uh, good point. Great points. Kathleen Pasadena again, our state senator. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo, that, and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Boo. 
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountabilities, uh, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the FGA.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. And just when you think the days can't get stranger, they do. Yeah. And uh, tomorrow should be an interesting day. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled by uh 25,000 National Guardsmen and, and soldiers and policemen and so forth in, in the nation's capital. That's more than we had in Afghanistan and, and Iraq combined. What do, you th- what do you think they're anticipating? And by the way, who called up all these people? Who, who brought them up to, uh, to Washington? Well, and at what cost? Yeah. The taxpayer. I mean, it's starting to resemble Venezuela. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I, I can't for the life of me figure out who made this happen. I mean, I don't think the president of the United States, I don't think Donald Trump called people up. So it must, no, must I'll be. bet you that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi were behind it. Yeah, and you're AOC. Pro- you pro- you're probably right, Boo. So what do you think of all well, you this? You know, I, have to, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend, and the name of the article was, Can Trumpism Be Separated from Trump? And, you know, the man from the movement, and a quote that I'd like to give to you is, he made his presidency almost entirely about himself personally, 
rather than the broader movement he was trying to lead. Uh, what do you that, think? Well, that's an interesting opinion. I don't see it that way. I think his, his uh, yes, he talked to, he is a narcissistic, and I get all that he is, but he definitely did make it about him. He made it about individual freedom. He was, he was representing, he wanted to make America great again. And if you just take a look at all of his policies, yes, I think the movement is separate from Trump, and I think the movement lives on irrespective of Trump. I think a lot of us got behind Donald Trump because we saw that he wanted to bring us, bring back government back to us. It seems so remote now. We have the political elite who are taking over again. And it's kind of tragic in a way because I felt, and I think 75 million Americans felt, that Donald Trump, it wasn't about him. It was about him bringing government, bringing the, the, uh, the, the workings of government back to us, making us important again, as opposed to lining the pockets of the political elite. Well, I agree with you, and apparently a lot of Republicans do. One of the, quote, one of the uh, statistics I read that 6 in 10 Republicans approve of his recent behavior, and then more than 90% of Trump supporters think he should be the party's 2024 presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, But, of course, that's, that's a select audience that they're going after. Yeah. You balance that with... 68% of the public mm-hmm. does not want Trump to remain a major political figure. You know, I, and I think uh, for whatever reason, the, their Trump derangement syndrome was extremely strong. People just hated him. Those that didn't care for him and didn't, didn't uh, like him really didn't like him. There was no middle ground with President Donald Trump. I, I liked him. Uh, I was able to, quite frankly, look over his, uh, overlook his warts and pimples and focus on what he was working to accomplish, get rid of regulations, bring businesses back to the United States, uh, limit immigration only to those people that legally come here, uh, lower taxes, and you can go on and on and on in terms of making America great again. I thought his agenda was just spectacular. And when you take a look at what he accomplished, he had a list of things that he wanted to accomplish in his presidency, and he literally... literally went down the list. Uh, most politicians yeah. make promises and then they just ignore what they said. He didn't. He did what he said he was going to do. And I, I just, uh, irrespective of whether he runs in 2024 or not, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of the water that's going to be under the bridge by that time. But quite frankly, I, I don't know whether he'll run or not. I think he'll be an extremely strong influence on the party moving forward. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will too. I think he'll leave office, but he'll still be a uh, influential force within the uh, within the party. If yeah. he does run in twenty twenty four, I bet he'll run as a single man because I'm sure Melania is like, nope, not going back. Well, you know, I think she enjoyed her role there. I mean, uh, uh, it was very stressful and strange, I'm sure, for her, and she didn't get the recognition she deserved for what she did did for her children's causes. Uh, but uh, I think she was a great first lady. Did, I don't know if you heard her speech. She gave a seven-minute uh, filmed f- speech. Uh, uh, I guess it was yesterday that it was done. Really, really impressive. What a strong, fabulous woman she is. She is, and she's a smart lady, and you're right. She got the same short shift that Trump did. You know, the press just wasn't going to support her no matter what. Absolutely. So it's just it's crazy. Um, what do you think tomorrow's going to look like? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a, a a lot of us 
that are going to silence. Uh, we're not going to watch the inauguration. We're not going to have anything to do with it. We'll stay off of Facebook. We'll stay off of social media. Uh, a lot of us will just uh, not support the event by not being violent or being uh, picketing or anything like that. We're just uh, going to ignore it. <laughs> Quite frankly, what do you gonna, what do you think? Well, I'll be golfing, yeah. so uh, <laughs> I'm not going to sit there. Uh, you know, Lauren, my husband, he'll be watching it. You know, he's far more curious about all of that uh-huh. uh, than certainly than I am. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't imagine what it's going to look like. I think it's going to be Biden and the people in the grandstand and then the National Guard cops. I mean, it seems like that's it. Yeah. You know, if he'd won the by popular vote, you'd think there'd be a lot more people supporting him and a lot less uh Paranoia. I mean, I'll I'll just call it paranoia. He seems to be very concerned, or his administration, about things going wrong, and uh, I I think that's because I think he knows everybody knows he didn't win the election. We know that, and uh, he doesn't have the popular support that President Trump did, and uh, so uh, you know I think he just wants to get through this, quite frankly, and get into office. Well, we shall see. I guess I have changed my view in that I hope he stays healthy. I yeah. hope he stays strong. Oh, yeah. I think he, I hope he stays mentally competent yeah. because the alternatives are scary. You mean uh, Kamala? Yes, Kamala uh-huh. and uh, Pelosi and everybody else that is just chomping at the bit to uh, take the reins. And I find that really scary. I do too. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm praying for, for uh, good results here going forward because right now the the Senate is split. the The, the majority for the yep. Democrats in the House is minor. Uh, I think there's not a lot of support for 1.79 trillion dollars to go out uh, to right now to increase the minimum wage to 15 dollars to all the Green New Deal, all these things. I don't think that's an easy sell. I don't. I think they may have some difficulty getting that through. Uh, Congress and get it signed by the president. Well, I think so, but they're going to work on it. Oh boy, they uh, will. Go ahead. And I was, I was going to say, we'll also see a lot more identity politics and all that stuff, all that nonsense going on too. White fragility, <laughs> white shame, all that stuff will be happening as well. Boo! I always appreciate your commentary here in the show, and I hope you enjoy golf tomorrow while I'm ignoring the inauguration. <laughs> Have well, a great. Oh so my! That's my own little protest. Today, on a lighter note, is National Popcorn Day. All right. Well, let's get some popcorn and have some fun. Thank you so much, Boo. Watch a movie, you yeah. bet. My pleasure. All right. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. 
imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And Love Letters is running right now. Two terrific actors. I hope you get online, get some tickets, and go see Love Letters at Gulf Shore Playhouse. GulfShorePlayhouse.org is the website. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Linda Harden, my wife. We're going to be talking a little bit about what's happening in the country. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of a terrific organization, Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. Hey, Seton, I think we're going to have to button up and put on our seatbelts because we're riding into more government. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got companies big enough now to benefit bigger government because it locks out competitors from dealing with them. Yeah. Um, Google is a trillion dollar company. It can afford more regulation. Yeah. The next Google cannot because it's worth, you know, $500 million and it can't afford the regulation. Um, everything big tech is doing now is to lock in the internet as it is right now because they control it. They dominate it. They don't want it to change. And that's why all the policies they want out of government ensure that the Internet stays exactly the same as it is now. They want net neutrality. Why? Because it benefits them. It makes it very expensive for any new providers to come along uh, of their services, whether it's social media or search or anything um it, 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 it's a protection racket right yeah, it is see let me let big me let tech me. and big government working together to protect each other's interests let me and let me uh, just underscore something important that you just said because it's it's truism uh throughout the economy uh when we get more and more regulation which president trump has reduced Actually, big companies don't mind it because it's annoying, and they have to deal with it. They can afford it, but they know it's going to drive their smaller competitors out of business. It, it's 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 a, it's a looked it's looked upon by big companies as as a beneficial cost to doing business, right? Because they can continue to do business with the additional regulations, their competitors cannot, right? 
And, you know, it's the same model we're seeing with their size in the private sector and why there should be antitrust action. Apple and Google control 99-plus percent of the mobile market. So when they kick you out of their mobile app store, you're, deep, you're, you're a digital non-person now, as they did to Parler. I mean, I just, and the, 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 they, they can do that because they dominate so much of the market. Likewise, they want government policy that keeps the market exactly the way it is. Yeah. I feel so uh, so foolish in so many ways because uh, all of us have given our information and uh, we thought we were getting something for free. Well, we weren't. We were paying for it with the information about us uh, to Google, to Facebook, to all these uh, media outlets that right now know everything about us. You know, uh, quite frankly, and, and you see the parlor is shut down right now because Amazon won't provide them uh, inf- uh, existence on the cloud. Uh, I'm worried about Gab. What, what the suppression of free speech well, is this? You know, I I wrote a piece last week that was actually pulled down by Facebook. Wow! And in it, I told the the uh, the Mark the Lenin Vladimir Lenin quote: "The capitalists will sell us the rope with which we will hang them." And I I said we gave the rope to big tech for free. Yep. Um, That's a great point. They're they're now the the dominant data force on the internet, and you know, in any realistic world with proper laws and proper regulation, there is no way a social media platform would become a seven hundred billion dollar company. Yeah, that's absurd. That is not reflective of a healthy market, and you know, free market, and. You know, now that they're there, we have this, we have a, a dozen or so, you know, Frankenstein's monsters we have to rein in now. Yeah. And they're colluding together to ensure that, A, uh, ideological competitors, conservatives, don't get a voice. B, economic competitors, uh, parlor, etc., don't get an opportunity. And C, the government, they, they work together with government to ensure that nothing as currently constituted ever changed. So, Seton, I have a thought about this. You know, we uh, Fox News is now taking a back seat to CNN in terms of their viewership uh, and uh, some of the other media outlets. The point is that uh, be- all of us began to stop patronizing Fox because of their action on the election eve. Uh, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, they've all paid a price because of one of their political, their uh, Black Lives Matter points of view and so, uh, trying to push that down our throats while well, we're really looking to them to get away from and you know we're looking for entertainment right. my point is this is there a possibility where where we can have a concerted effort to a, to get off of amazon to get off of no. facebook to can will, will that make a difference they have enough they have enough built-in economy that you know amazon i've studied amazon a good bit too Mm-hmm. Amazon retail made no money for like the first 20 years, of 15 years of its existence. Yeah. Every penny they made was put back into getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Then Bezos, Jeff Bezos, Amazon's president, founder, wisely got into the cloud, the, the, the server farm industry, mm-hmm. Amazon Web Services. And there was his moneymaker. That's where he could make money. 
and therefore undercut every, continue to undercut everybody else even more with Amazon retail and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So now they've got so much institutional, as we saw with Parler, they have so much institutional business. Parler gets kicked off of Amazon web servers, and no other web hosts will, will host them. Because Amazon and Apple and, Par- and, and Google look at them and go, you better not. Yeah. And so, they go, you're right, we better not, so and they don't. President Trump took and the... so I just think Apple, you know, again, Apple and Google, 99% of, this, of, the, of the smartphone market. So does, does you know, it, we, what, we, we, what percentage well, does it... The time it, to have fixed this was five years ago, ten years ago. Yeah. Now they're so ingrained in the system and dominate so much of the marketplace, I don't know if you can. Yeah, that's such an important point. I mean, the, the fact that... What percentage of the cloud business does Amazon control? 60%, I think. I think that's right. Wow. And, and you may recall that uh, certainly he, President Trump made no friends with Jeff Bezos when he came in, got into office. They were about to uh, take over the Department of Defense $1 billion contract. President $10 Trump, billion. $10 billion. $10 billion. And President Trump said, no, that's not going to happen. $10 billion cloud computing contract. I worked on that. That was, that was a done deal. When I was brought in, they said, we're going to make a good show for two or three months, but it's, it's, a, it's a fait accompli. It's, the, the cake is baked. We're just going to point out how crooked this is and then go away. Eighteen months later, the Trump Defense Department dumped Amazon as its cloud uh, 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 computing uh, Back uh, system and and hired Microsoft again, proving our point that it's a <laughs> there's a very few companies from which to choose. Yeah, but in this instance, Amazon had totally fixed the, the, the bidding process to its advantage, and so it was a win th- that anybody besides Amazon got it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I found actually did some investigation. I found some uh, cloud companies that are actually pretty inexpensive now for the side that you need size for. Uh... Uh, something like Parler, it's got to be pretty big. But also, some uh, I found a company that offers e- uh, internet services, or I should say, email services from Switzerland, pretty low cost. My my point is this: that uh, I'm thinking about just changing how I do business, and you know how I well, think. You, yeah, but again, a bunch of people, and their you know email takes almost no data at all. Yeah, so it doesn't cost a whole lot. Yeah. I'm talking about the institutional contracts, the government contracts, the major company contracts. Yeah. They have a stranglehold on all of those, and that's where the real money is, and therefore that's where the real power is. You know, your grandmother changing email accounts to send her 10 emails a month doesn't really move the needle. Gotcha. But uh, the, the important thing is right now that, yes, our <laughs> we've already been... Our, our data has been stolen, but I'm looking for ways to start to uh, move away from that, even if it's some inconvenience. And I think, Real quick, Tim Berners-Lee, who is credited with inventing the Internet, is disgusted with the way it turned out, specifically about the data possession by others and not you, uh, the, data per, you know, the data person, the data provider. And he's actually trying to create a whole new Internet <laughs> where you can... I've read this elsewhere. This is not my idea. You know, you can't use Tiger Woods' face without his permission, right? You right. can't use Kim Kardashian's face yeah. without a permission. But yet you can use their data free of charge forever. Yeah. 
And so he wants to create a persona basically where your digital persona is equal to your physical persona, and they can't use either without paying you for them. Interesting. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org and also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seat, I always appreciate your very well-informed uh, commentary. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. The lovely Linda will be joining us. She's the author of Greetings from Paradise. I'm not sure we're going to be talking about what's happening on the Paradise Coast, but we're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. By the way, Love Letters is running right now. Terrific production with two of my favorite actors. You can get tickets at golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Linda Harden, the lovely Linda. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. Well, there's a lot going on right now. Tomorrow is, uh, we're, at, we're at Inauguration Eve. Tomorrow is the I don't want to talk day. about that. You don't want to talk That's, about it? It's just, I can't, even, I can't even wrap my head around that guy who can't even put a sentence to um, trying to take the oath of office. I know. So what's top of mind for you then? And we, we'll talk about the, the inauguration. Well, I mean, there's so much there's so much going on. It's almost surreal. I mean, this lockdown of the Capitol. Mm -hmm. This this gal I follow, follow on social media. What social media I have left since? Oh, by the way, you got kicked off of Twitter, Facebook for the second time. Oh, wow. off of Twitter. Now they can't. They won't let me back at all. But this Katie Hopkins, who's British, has been walking around uh, Washington D.C. She hasn't been the only one, but she's on Gab now. That I. And Jack Persone, but not on who's I usually follow, and he's been walking around D.C. too, and he's just remarking about how surreal mm -hmm. this lockdown is. Yeah, there's just nobody walking around. They've got these huge trucks. Yeah, um, tanks blo blocking any tent. Well, it's isn't that weird? Yeah, that they that they allow these tents to be in there, but nobody. I mean, nobody else to be in there. And who's in the tent? I know. 
It's uh, pretty surreal, and again, the many state capitals. I wonder what the noise must be that's out there that's creating all this havoc and concern about. I know that uh, we've actually called out the National Guard to Tallahassee, of all things, because of a uh, concern for violence. Uh, We're not the only state either. There are no. all over the country, and, and it, it's just it's just totally bizarre. It is bizarre indeed. You know, my experience, I had the privilege of... Uh, hosting or being a uh, master of ceremonies for a Trump rally before he was elected here in uh, Naples. And uh, I never experienced more joy in my life. Everybody was happy, excited to to hear the president, what he had, or the president uh, elect. He wasn't, or he wasn't even elected at the time. To hear what he had to say. That, and, of course, the anticipation, the excitement that Trump is actually going to bring the government back to the people. There, I don't see how there's violent people within this movement. It just doesn't make sense to me. No, and now this Senator Cohen, I don't know what state he's from, Tennessee, I think. Um, Steve Cohen, who is famously known for bringing a bucket of fried chicken on the on the floor of the Senate. And oh, that, it. that guy. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> he is just a whacked up. Anyway, so he's now um, being the one, one of the ones who's, who's endorsing, vetting the National Guard who are walking the streets of Washington because there are too many white men there in the National Guard. And they want to know um, uh, who, who their allegiance is to. It's just like this party who's been racist-prone all the time. I mean, all they talk about is race. And now what is he doing? He's being racist. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just a shame. I think about yesterday being the birthday of Martin Luther King and his message. I... I look forward to the day when uh, my children will be judged not on the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. His message was so true and so real, and now we've moved away from that. It's identity pro- politics. And, uh, you know, you can't control the color of your skin. And why are we? Why is that making a big deal? Here it comes again. We had this. It happened during the Obama administration. Here it comes again. More identity politics. But it's all on the, it's all on the left. And yet, it's one, one comment that I heard a long time ago, uh, from I don't remember who, but everything that the left accuses conservatives of is what they're guilty of. And that's exactly right. I mean, you talk about uh, the uh, Russia collusion. <laughs> it was Hillary Clinton who did the reset and uh, sold the uranium to the Russians. I think you're absolutely right on that point. And it's it's just really a shame because, it, to me, it's it comes down to a battle between good and evil. Yeah, and I, you know praying about that every day it's just it's just really sobering to see that this election was stolen that trump got according to sydney powell and lynn wood and a bunch of other people got nearly 80 million votes swept the country Mm -hmm. and yet they are just pushing this phony baloney into office tomorrow it's just stunning well that maybe that's just the reason for the paranoia and the reason for all the tanks and the and the military you know, they know that this is a farce. They know this is a hoax. And yet, to pull it off, they just feel like they're uh, vulnerable because of uh, for attack. They're not, they're not, I don't think there's going to be any attacks. If there are attacks, there will be people from some radical, crazy group that has nothing to do with Trump or the. Uh, Trump was pretty clear. He doesn't, he doesn't condone violence. He doesn't want violence. Anybody who does that is not part of his movement. And, oh, by the way, I, I don't know if you remember from Tucker last night, but I saw it on a number of, of other um, news sites yesterday. They were so- talking about this insurrection, all the violence that was going on. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was just absolutely the opposite. 
remember that guy that dressed up in those horns that walked, yeah, yeah. In, walked into the Senate? Yeah, and the and the Capitol Police guy was just saying, hey. "Oh, have a seat." Yeah, but, well, you'd be nice if you left soon. <laughs> that kind of thing. The yeah. other the other thing is, um, which Tucker didn't didn't bring up, but somebody else did on social media. They said, "You remember when that that young woman was killed on on uh, January sixth during that?" Yeah. Nobody's mentioned anything about who shot her. I know. Nobody's found out, bothered to find out if she ever had a funeral. Nobody found, bothered to find, look up any background information yeah. on her. If it had been the other way around, yeah. oh my goodness, we would have had a national shutdown in honor of, of her death. Well, or if she'd been black. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, really pathetic right now. And it just reminds me, too, of all the uh, violence and the uh, what happened in Minnesota, all billions of dollars of property burned, uh, destroyed. And, uh, and now we have this one incident in the Capitol, which to, quite frankly to me looks like it's orchestrated. It looks like it was created on purpose, done on purpose. This just popped into my head, by the way, talking about these, um, these uh, protests all the summer. Did you hear that your favorite, or not so favorite anymore, Irie Irving bought a home for the family of George Floyd? Well, isn't that nice? <laughs> this kind of brings up the whole topic of the Boston Celtics and what's happened, but we won't go there. Anyhow, Linda, I just I think that, that right now we're going into a difficult time. And I remember when uh, we had President Obama, uh, my thought was, well, the country's going down the tubes, so we may as well just work very hard to keep things normal here in Florida. President Trump did such a great job of moving the country forward, and now uh, it, it's clear that uh, they want to actually just neutralize. They want to uh, uh, make sure that Trump's administration has uh, never existed. That's the, they want to well, not, cancel not, it. Not only Trump, but but everybody who followed him. Yeah, and you know, we just mentioned that he uh, he actually won the election. My goodness, if anybody heard that, we would I'd be shut off the air. <laughs> so, well, I mean, they're doing that to everybody. They're trying to they're trying to shut down Telegram now too. That's what it, how pathetic. Again, Linda Harden, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. See you later. All right, and I'll see you in just a few minutes. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests lined up for tomorrow. Andrew Joppa is going to be with us. Always appreciate Andy's commentary, and we're going to have a, an extended conversation with Andy. Also, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, an author of several books, Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom, He's also written a book, uh, How Everything Happened, Including Us, going back 13 billion years and up to the present, the velocity of history and what's happened. Such an interesting uh, story. Always appreciate your comments and commentary. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com if you'd like to be on the distribution list for the email I send out periodically after each show. Uh, again, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>